You're listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 4. our latest episode of season five of customer perspective this is our ipsos podcast series aimed at all of you who are concerned in some way with helping your organization deliver on its brand promise to customers i'm helen wilson global chief experience officer for our ipsos cx and channel performance business and today i'm joined by two guests so they're both from ipsos in the u.s We have Carlos Aragon, who's a vice president in our channel performance business, and Christy Click, who's a senior client officer. So we've invited Christy and Carlos along today as they've recently written and published, along with a couple of colleagues, Wendy Woolner and Kate Barker, a really cool paper. So it's entitled, There's a Market for Men's Cosmetics and a Generation Gap. So we're going to get a bit of a peek behind the curtain of men's buying behaviours. But I just want to welcome first Christy and Carlos. Both is absolutely lovely, in your case, Christy, to have you back and Carlos to have you here. Welcome both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Helen. It's great to be back. Looking forward to a continued dialogue on this topic today. It, well, it's absolutely a continued dialogue, isn't it? Because the last one, and I'm sure I shouldn't say this, because we're going to have speakers listening who will have taken part in, in episodes since yours. But you came along with Kate Fanning from Estee Lauder. And you know what? That was such a cool episode. I absolutely loved it. So, I mean, you know, Carlos, if, if you can top that with Christy, we're going to be doing OK. We got some really good feedback about that one. I'm after background. So before we kind of go into the details of your paper, I want background on the history of grooming, skincare, cosmetics products, and just a bit of an understanding of how expectations and behaviours have changed. So let me start with you, Carlos. I'm going to kick off with that one, if I may. Men's cosmetics, men's grooming, men's skincare has had an interesting evolution. We, for the webinar that Christy and I did a few weeks ago, uh, we went all the way back to ancient Egypt and we kind of looked at, all right, what do, what did people, what did men four or five, 6,000 years ago do? And um, what was really interesting was, you know, makeup was prevalent in, in ancient Egypt. And throughout the years, as you go through different cultures, different civilizations, you kind of saw the same thing, right? Men would wear makeup, men cared very much about looking pretty, looking nice, being well-groomed, et cetera. Then you get to the Middle Ages, and I thought this was funny, but um, powdered wigs and woolen hose were were men's wear. Well, you won't find a, a man wearing hose today, um, but that was originally a, a piece of men's clothing. Um, and you get to the 20th century, where things, uh, is particularly in Western culture, shifted. Um, and, you know, the concept of masculinity became a little bit more rugged and looking good, taking care of your skin was was less important. In in the US, for example, the Marlboro Man was kind of the symbol of masculinity for a good part of the 20th century, you know, or the or the cowboy or something like that. And then as you get into the late 90s, early 2000s, things shifted again, where grooming, taking care of your of your body hair, whether you're on your top of your head, your beard, elsewhere, you know, manscaping became a thing. Um, and it was it was kind of 
thought of that, hey, maybe guys should not just look like gorillas, but maybe they should look a little bit more well put together. Um, and so now you, you're you into 2010, 2020, uh, and you have products that, at least previously in the last 100 years or so, men never would, would use. You have body wash, right? It used to be that men only wore, uh, men only used soap, they used shampoo, they used uh, aftershave, and they would wear cologne. Well, now you have a whole spectrum of men's products from hair care, beard care, mustache care, to you know moisturizers and things like that. And and some of them are general gender neutral. Some of them are still for women. But then there's a whole category of products that are distinctly for men. Um, and then what we've seen very recently in the last couple, three, four years is this notion that, okay, maybe men should consider wearing makeup or cosmetics or some sort of beauty product. Um, and uh, we'll we'll get into we'll get into that a little bit, but it was kind of an interesting take on um, where where does skincare, where does grooming, where does um, men's appearance, how is that evolving with with masculinity and perceptions? And the other interesting point there that I just wanted to make is how do women feel about it, right? Not just how do men feel about it, but how do women feel? So I'll pause hey, there because I think I've rambled. Yeah, I, if I can just chime in as well, uh, my my role prior to being at Ipsos, uh, I was actually at P&G and worked many years on the beauty and grooming business. And actually, P&G acquired Gillette around 2005. I was fortunate to be responsible for developing a pan grooming segmentation to help P&G understand, you know, which brand should align with which segments. They had now Old Spice as well as Gillette. And so it's been really interesting watching the evolution and the journey of men throughout the decades, frankly. Um, and, you know, now what we're seeing is whereas before our guy's guy, you know, which was a dominant segment where men didn't want to be associated with walking down the aisle where skincare products were, you know, let alone cosmetic products. Now we find men accepting, you know, like. I'm worth it. Just like L'Oreal used to say, two women mostly, you know, but really I have needs uh, and those authentic needs are being embraced. And so we're excited to share more with you today about what we learned about what those needs are. So on that front, I mean, why are they? Why are these guys adding grooming, skincare, cosmetics products to their routine? Why Old Spice, I, I have to say, I do still see it in my father-in-law's bathroom cabinets. So it's still there. Um, it might be the same bottle you had from 30 years. But anyway, we won't touch that. Um, but but why are they adding such products to their routines? What's going on? Yeah, so we fielded some research among 500 males. And we were able to go deep into the data because we actually fielded some open-ended questions to ask them, what are the benefits associated with these products? And then also, what are the barriers so that we can get into their minds and hearts and, and understand how to crack that? And and what we learned was there are two very big camps. One is among those who are men under 35, and the other one is among men who are 51 plus. So I'm going to dive in a bit first to the men 35 under and talk about what their needs are. Um, not surprisingly, they're very much externally focused. And so largely they are interested in having better looking skin or frankly, beyond the personal, there's a professional element there as well. 
And so at the end of the day, they want to look good. They want to feel good. They want to be comfortable in their own skin and really have that clear skin so they're feeling better about themselves. So what we learn, though, is they're still finding it difficult to navigate the category. And they also have some concerns. Those concerns are are these products going to be too harsh for my skin? Are they safe enough for me? What are the ingredients associated with that? How do I get started? I don't have role models, you know, who I've watched put makeup on for years and decades or have watched them take care of their skin. And, and so we heard from them loud and clear. One, my girlfriend and partner are making some choices for me. Two, I'm also looking for help me to navigate this through tutorials or, you know, set up tips that you can provide from a branded perspective. And also I'm looking for that ingredient story. So they know that they've got the internet that's available to them. And I think this has unleashed many men, you know, to do that research and search when they've got these really big questions. So we, as you said, there's there's two camps. So you've covered off the the kind of the um, the fifty and under. Take me through the the fifty and over. What what are the benefits that the guys are looking for? there in terms of those types of products. Yes, absolutely. So guys 51 plus have very specific needs, you know, beyond looking younger, you know, they recognize that their skin is drying out. So physiologically, there are changes that are happening. And so they have hydration needs. They want to feel better about themselves. They want to continue to compete in the marketplace. And so part of this also is to enable them to sell themselves and to shine and to compete, you know, with the younger generations. But there are some really important parameters here that they talked about regarding what they're seeking in their skin. One is healthy skin. So they're much more oriented to thinking about their health and well-being to start with. And they recognize that that needs to start with healthy skin. And then also vitality and longevity. Those are two terms which popped up in the data, which certainly suggest that, you know, that will be something that will resonate with these men. But there was an interesting nuance that we pulled from this data around these guys, again, you know, they don't have longevity in a routine necessarily. And so a barrier for them is this just takes so much time. And so we need to be helping them to understand what's the best routine and reframing perhaps even what we're recommending in terms of how they can navigate using some of these new products in a very efficient way. Men tend to be very analytical, looking for those shortcuts and time savings. And so that's one element. And again, now they're adding products to their routine and they hadn't done this before. So the other element is cost savings, or at least a value proposition so that they understand what the end game is here and what benefits they're going to be getting. Uh, I found a quote actually when we were preparing for the webinar and it was a ratings and review from a wife who said, you know, my husband's getting wrinkly. He knows he needs to be using something, but he doesn't want those girly products necessarily. And so, you know, it, it, it's a great quote to embody really what these guys are thinking about. And so the partner is one who is a huge influencer. She's ultimately making a lot of decisions and, and uh, purchasing these products as well. Another sort of thing that I think is happening, and it's not necessarily part of our research, but is the the bias towards youth, right? And um, the fear of Gen X and boomers of getting old. Um, I'm sure it existed prior to that that you know people just didn't want necessarily want to get old. They wanted to look young as long as possible. But 
the media, social media, things like that didn't put such an emphasis on it as they do today. And so now you've got guys my age, guys older, men in their 60s and 70s who don't want to look their age. They want to look younger and cosmetic, skincare, et cetera, is a way to help with that. I, I look back at pictures of, of my grandparents when they were my age, and I, I look at them and I think they look really old. And some of it is just clothing, but some of it is definitely skincare, right? And and the hairstyles and, um, you know, mustaches at a few years and beards at age. There's definitely social pressure around looking younger and older men are feeling it. So they're looking for ways to, they're looking for ways to look younger. Yeah, Carlos, you know, that's reminding me, we were very fortunate, Helen, to have our Synthesio team actually pull some insights for us by doing a thematic analysis of the male skincare and male cosmetic conversations that are happening. And one of the themes which emerge beyond makeup is fine for men, you know, is that cos cosmetic procedures are something actually that are getting some voice today. And men are saying, why not? You know, this kind of goes back to the point I was making earlier around I'm worth it. If women are doing it, why shouldn't I be able to do it to the point that we're just making here about like the focus on ageism to some degree in society, one way to combat that certainly is through cosmetic procedures, which are, are becoming a little bit more considered than they have in the past among the, the male demographic. Just, just on that front, specifically putting on the the kind of the work that you were talking about, the synthesia doing, and they, I love the stuff they're doing. They're absolutely fascinating. So who, I mean, I'm sure as a whole host of, of information that they brought to the table. But who's topping the charts? And, uh, you know, in terms of the most viral social media com conversations, what's, what's going on there? You mentioned a couple, but tell me more on that front. So you've got a few different things going on. Um, there's a, a number of Asian musicians. Uh, there's a guy named Jackson Wang. I'm not familiar with him, but he's a... He's in a Korean boy band, and he, I'm looking at the numbers here, in the last 12 months, um, he had 77% of the social interactions, which is massive. You know, he kind of breaks down his skincare routine. You've got the, the Korean boy band BTS, there's a few others. But over here in the U.S., you've got, uh, you've got DJ Khaled, who's, you know, he's launched a CBD-infused men's grooming line. You've got Alex Rodriguez, right, former baseball player who launched what, I think it's called Blur Stick. Um, and the reaction to that was mixed, uh, mixed to negative, actually. You know, so I think some of what you've got there going on is the distinction or the differences between American culture and how mm -hmm. we feel about men's beauty, men's skincare routines, and Korean and Chinese cultures and how they feel about it. They're a lot more open to it, a lot more welcoming about it. And, you know, we're, we're still a little bit caught up in that Marlboro Man mentality. I'm going to ask a very general question, which bearing in mind the points you've made around the difference in terms of the age caps, camps in terms of the difference from a sort of cultural perspective. But I guess, you know, what are the what are the messages? How do brands actually break through to reach these guys searching for skincare and cosmetics products? What 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 are the breakthrough messages that are, that are landing, as it were? So there's a, a couple of things. Um, part of the thing that we did with the research was we looked at 
we looked at the words and what we've learned is that words really matter to men, particularly American men. When we talked about skincare, grooming, um, thing, you know, th those sorts of terms, I think we use skincare and grooming somewhat interchangeably. There was very little concern among most men uh, about it, right? They would talk about, yes, I use moisturizer and I take care of my hands and I have dry skin and et cetera, et cetera. But in the survey that we did, we then pivoted toward beauty and cosmetics. And beauty and cosmetics were much touchier. Um, so I think that's that's one key learning is the the language matters, right? Men do not, by and large, want to say, I wear makeup, I wear cosmetics. But they have very little problem with saying, I have dry skin and I need to moisturize it, right? So, so I would say... Probably the way to break through, at least at the moment, is you focus on the very logical, very rational jobs that need to be done. Dry hands, dry skin, um, anti-aging, things of that sort. Um, the brand with men, the branding, the color scheme, the, the color palette matters as well. You know, men don't want flowery smells. They want manly smells, smoke, bourbon, things like that. Um, leather is, is a pretty popular men's product, uh, or, or men's scent as well, but you just sort of have to be, you have to be sensitive towards, uh, men's needs, expectations, and, and their egos a little bit. And if, if you're trying to sell makeup to men, it's much more of an uphill climb than if you sell skincare to men, even if it is the exact same product. I just want to chime in. Also, we sought some counsel from our Behavioral Science Center of Excellence, and, and the BCI experts would say jobs to be done is exactly the way you want to go. Goal orientation is key here, especially when you're trying to drive adoption of some new behaviors. And so really want to just reinforce for the audience, you know, as we apply a BCI lens here, just think in terms of what's the end job to be done and then focus in on really clarifying that language in the benefit uh, that you'll be defining as part of your concept. Uh, we actually found a really funny Saturday Night Live skit on this. And some of the product names were like Manscara or Blush in a Gun, uh, or they actually had some packaging, you know, that looked like a beer can. And, and we laughed a bit, but honestly, frankly, you know, it, it's a, it's um, identification here with the male audience on what they're familiar with, really. And, you know, leaning into that very direct language as well. So. Uh, think think in terms of that B-side lens that you can apply here and define those jobs to be done. So with that in mind, and, and always, of course, entirely supportive of, of putting that behavioural science lens on it, but for our people listening to this, what are the kind of absolute tips for success? If you're going to win with the male beauty shoppers, what are, what are our brands who might be listening needing to be thinking of? You've given us a bit of a, a view here, but tell me more. Yeah, Carlos, I can chime in here and, and start this dialogue. So it is vital that the demographics are considered as being different. You've got the under 35, where it is about that external appearance. And importantly, also beyond physical appearance, though, 
the reassurance that the products that you're offering to them actually are safe. I was blown away by how many men are concerned about the, the ingredient story. They are claiming sensitive skin, allergic reactions, you know, concerned that others will notice that they're using these products because of harshness, you know, that is contributing to an unsightly external appearance. Uh, so really reassurance will be important as part of the overall message. And also acknowledge that role models don't exist necessarily. And so the navigational tools that you can provide, there are apps for many women. I haven't seen apps for many men for virtual try-ons or questionnaires about what their skin needs are that produce solutions that are very personalized and customized. So that's something that should be considered. For the over 50 demographic, again, the healthy skin focus, which also would be a focus on the ingredients that deliver against that. Um, and the value proposition will be really critical. So we know we're living in a Zoom environment and, and you know, that outward appearance is so important. And uh, we're also living in an environment where e-com has just exploded and given the anonymity um, to men to actually search for their products. So investigate what you're doing online and look at your competitors. Uh, what Carlos and I have diagnosed is like in the stores and bricks and mortar, where there's often a sea of sameness, there's a black package sea of sameness that's popping up in the e-com environment, which, you know, we would certainly suggest that you look at how you drive that distinctivity and that differentiation to get noticed where their eyeballs are. And we didn't look into this, but I think besides those things, the naming probably matters a fair bit. A lot of the men's products that we did find have to to sort of paraphrase the SNL video, very violent names, right? It's it's uh, there's one called Naval Diplomacy, Duke Cannon, I think is the manufacturer. But there's you know, and and I always wonder, is this are they taking themselves seriously or do they know that they're being silly? I suspect they know they're being silly, but uh, but you get these these names that are either very aggressive or very um, you know outdoorsy and natural. You know, they all somewhat like the color. They all tend to blend together, right? Duke Cannon, I only remember because I looked at their website yesterday. Um, but beyond that, there's there's a whole series of brands of of men's makeup with very similar sounding names. And yeah, the sea of sameness is a great way to describe it, Christy. It's, it's yeah. Um, and if the guys are already worried about harshness, right? And you're and you're using this violent language, you're exacerbating this tonality that they are trying to resist. So really, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Naming and packaging and how you portray the end benefit is going to be crucial. Wanting to address sort of the Alex Rodriguez and, and Asian rapper thing, who your spokesperson is matters too. And again, that's not something we dived into in, in the research, but it is very clear that Alex Rodriguez um, may not be the best spokesperson for his own product. Right. Um, maybe there's a, a better spokesman. I don't know that a Korean rapper is necessarily the best spokesperson for for the United States. But thinking a little bit about who do you have representing your product is is going to be important. And they, they're going to have to be able to sort of break through the the resistance of people who are like, well, that's just not masculine. You know, maybe, but maybe there's just a different way to look at it. 
right? Alex Rodriguez is getting blowback from, well, that's just not masculine. That's, it's silly, but it, it is reality. Yeah, it's an important point. In fact, Jackson Wong, he was interviewed for a GQ article. There were one million interactions with that particular rapper um, after this article was issued. Guys are out there looking for influencers since their fathers may not be the role models, especially those who have you know a regimen with multiple skincare and makeup products. So. Good point, I haven't really thought about it. And I'm just thinking now I've got four daughters and they will sit there and watch me apply. And and, and I had this, there was a stage whereby my youngest, she would stand next to my, my makeup bag and she would hand me before I asked for it, my, my moisturizer, my, my mascara and so on. And it's a really interesting dynamic in terms of where do you look for if those influencers aren't directly in front of you? I honestly could continue this conversation for a very long time. And Carlos, given you started 6,000 years ago, I was a little bit apprehensive at the outset. I was like, okay, where's he going with this? <laughs> but you did a fantastic job of putting 6,000 years into 20-odd minutes or so. Um, so thank you both. It's, it's been absolutely lovely. There's there's lots I've, I've learned today. There's, there's some bits I perhaps didn't want to delve into. Manscaping was something like, you know, I'm, I'm going to just leave it there. Um, but seriously, thank you so much. You, you mentioned, um, obviously, the, the paper we know. I'll make sure we've got a link in the uh, podcast descriptor. You mentioned a webinar as well. So is there a live recording that our listeners can go on to find out a little bit more? Where can they find that? There is. We'll send you the link so that you can also upload it. Perfect. All right. We'll direct people to the uh, the paper to the webinar, obviously they'll have this, and presumably you're okay if our listeners have any questions. Can I direct them to you as well? Happy to answer any questions anyone has. Please do, thank you. And just to clarify, that's about this topic. Christy's not going to give you a detailed history of <laughs> Korean boy bands. Um, that's not where <laughs> she's going. Um, she has many talents, but if you have any questions beyond that, we'd love to hear from you. But for now, Christy, Carlos, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very thank much. You, Helen. Thank you for listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. New episodes will be made available every two weeks, so make sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the episodes sent straight to you. We're also available on Spotify.